welcome back to Finding New Films. My name is Hunter Harris. I am the host of the show, and today I am back with another guest. I'm rejoined by my mom, um, and today we are here to review and discuss uh, Godfather, The Godfather Part 2. Um, oopsie daisy. Um, and so with that, we got a lot ahead of us as far as credits and plot is uh, concerned. Um, I did want to ask, since we watched the first one together, what was uh, what were your thoughts coming into this one? I didn't know what to expect. Um, this was so... It was the same dynamic, but different. Whole, the whole movie was different from the first one altogether. Like, it was... It was intense <laughs> it was intense yeah more intense than the first i have to say it definitely was more intense um family turmoil uh is turned up in this one um big time patriarch is gone one the beloved son is gone um sunny and uh yeah, family kind of just descends into chaos a little bit. Michael losing grip on reality. Michael losing grip on his family. Um, and then juxtaposing that with Vito's struggles getting to America. Mm-hmm. Um, and the type of humility that, that Vito was able to live with because of the type of beginnings that he came from he, he came from nothing mm-hmm. um no family anymore uh after nine years old he basically had no family yeah he was an orphan yeah um and so juxtaposing that with michael who had basically lived a life of lavish and is kind of just following his father's footsteps trying to do the right thing mm-hmm. but ultimately he went off the tracks a little bit. <laughs> yeah, putting the family in a worse spot than they were. Yeah. Um, Tom Hagen says it in the movie. He says, uh, you know, they were like the Roman Empire once. They mm-hmm. used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's get through the run, like credits and then the, the plot because it's a lot. Um, and then we can talk more about it. So the runtime of this movie, uh, sorry, Godfather Part 2 came out in 1974. Um, the runtime on the movie was two, uh, 202 minutes, so a shade over 3 hours and 20 minutes long. Mammoth runtime. Oh, uh, it was a long one. <laughs> yeah. So we got writer-director, sorry, uh, we got writers Francis Ford Coppola and Mario Puzo, and then we have director Francis Ford Coppola, the editors were Barry Malkin, Richard Marks, and Peter Zinner. Uh, the music on the film done by Nino Rota, uh, who also did the first film, as well as camera work being done by Gordon Willis, who also did the first film. Uh, Al Pacino uh, returns as Michael Corleone. Robert De Niro plays a young version of Vito Corleone. And Robert Duvall returns as Tom Hagen. Dane Keaton returns as Kay. And those are the stars of the movie. Um, 
I guess a little shout out to John Cazal for uh, Vito Cor sorry for Fredo Corleone. And yeah. then let's see, anybody else? Um who played Frankie? Or Frank? Yeah, I guess I can shout him out. Um Michael Vigazzo playing Frank Pentagelli. And then Roth. I wanted to shout him out. Yeah, Roth. Damn it. Uh, Lee Strasberg played Hyman Roth. Um, so, yeah, shout out to them. Because uh, they all had good performances. Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. So now I'm going to move on to the plot. Um, and then I don't have the themes written down. There's honestly like so many things talked about i really just i it's a lot <laughs> the main themes are family uh power deceit, power yeah wealth yeah um corruption mm-hmm. crime stuff <laughs> it's the mafia yeah we're gonna have a little crime just a little bit <laughs> um so veto so the plot is split up into two uh, sections effectively so this is Vito's plot and it is as follows in 1901 nine-year-old Vito Andalini flees his country after his whole family is killed in Corleone Sicily when his father insults local mafia chieftain Don uh, Ciccio Vito escapes New York uh, to New York City and is registered on arrival as Vito Corleone uh, in 1917, Vito lives in New York with his wife, Carmela, and their infant son, Sonny. He loses his job due to uh, the interference of Don Finucci, a local blackhand extortionist. His neighbor, Peter Clemenza, asks Vito to hide a bag of guns. As thanks, Clemenza enlists Vito's help in stealing a rug, which he gives to Carmela. The Corleones have three more children, Fredo, Michael, and daughter Connie. Meanwhile, Vito, Clemenza, and new partner Salvatore Tessio make income by stealing goods and reselling them door to door. This enterprise attracts the attention of Finucci, who extorts them. Vito convinces his skeptical partners that he will talk to Finucci, uh, that he will talk Finucci into accepting a smaller payment. Uh, and then during a neighborhood festa, Vito pays an incredulous Finucci a much smaller amount and is offered a job as an enforcer. Vito later kills Finucci in his apartment. Vito becomes a formidable and well-respected community member by helping locals in exchange for quote-unquote favors. In 1923, Vito and his family visit Sicily, during which he and his business partner Don Tomasino visit Don Ciccio, ostensibly asking Ciccio, uh, blessing on their olive oil business. Ciccio asks for the name of Vito's father. Vito reveals his identity and then stabs Ciccio to death, avenging his family. And that is uh, that is Vito. Mm-hmm. Now this is Michael's arc. Um, and here we go. In 1958, during his first Son, sorry, during his son's first communion at Lake Tahoe, Michael has a series of meetings in his role as the Don of the Corleone crime family. Frank Pentagelli, a Corleone capo, is dismayed that Michael refused to help defend his Bronx territory against the Rosado brothers who worked for Hyman Roth, a Jewish mob boss and long-standing Corleone business partner. 
Senator Pat Geary expects a bribe in exchange for helping Michael obtain casino gam gaming licenses and insults Italians generally and the Corleone specifically. Michael predicts that Geary will aid him uh, with the licenses but will not be paid. That night, a failed assassination attempt at his home prompts Michael to suddenly depart after confiding in consigliere uh, Tom Hagen that he suspects a traitor within the family. Michael suspects Roth planned the assassination, but uh, falsely tells Roth that he suspects that it was Pentagelli. In New York City, under Michael's instructions, Pentagelli attempts to make peace with the Rosados, but they try to kill him. The attempt fails when a police officer enters where the bar where the Rosados are trying to kill Pentagelli, resulting in the Rosados fleeing in a brief sh street shootout where Corleone soldier Willie Chichi is wounded. Uh, in Nevada, Tom Hagen is called to Carson City brothel uh, run by Michael's older brother Frito, where Geary has been implicated in the death of a prostitute. Unaware that Michael arranged the quote-unquote problem, Geary accepts Tom's offer to make him uh, to take care of it in return for Geary's political support. Sickly Roth, Michael, and several other partners travel to Havana to discuss their future Cuban business prospects under the cooperative government of Fulgencio Batista. Uh, Michael becomes reluctant to continue operating in Cuba given the ongoing Cuban revolution. On New Year's Eve, Frito pretends not to know Johnny Ola, Roth's right-hand man, but inadvertently reveals that they know each other, leading Michael to realize that Frito is a traitor. Michael orders hits on Ola and Roth, his enforcer strangles Ola with a coat hanger, but is killed by Cuban soldiers as he tries to smother Roth. Batista abdicates due to rebel advances during the ensuing chaos. Michael, Frito, and Roth separately escape Cuba. Back home, Michael is told that his wife Kay has miscarried. In Washington, D.C., a Senate committee on organized crime is investigating the Corleone family, but Geary staunchly defends them. Pensagelli agrees to testify against Michael, who believes had betrayed him to the Rosados and is placed under witness protection. On returning to Nevada, Fredo tells Michael that he didn't know that Roth had intended on killing him, but that he resents being regarded as stupid by the family and feels that he should have taken over the family after their father's death. Michael disowns Fredo, but gives the orders that he not be harmed while their mother is still alive. Michael sends for Pensagelli's brother from Sicily, and Pensagelli, after seeing his brother in the hearing room, retracts his previous statements, indicting Michael in organized crime. The hearing dissolves in an uproar. Kay reveals to Michael that she actually had an abortion and not a miscarriage, and that she intends on leaving him and taking their children. Outraged, Michael strikes Kay, banishes her from the family, and takes sole custody of the children. Carmela dies sometime later, and Michael hurries uh, to wrap up loose ends. At the funeral, Michael appears to give Frito uh, to forgive Frito at Connie's behest, but exchanges a glare with Corleone and Forrester Al Neri, suggesting Frito is to be killed. Cato visits her children as she is saying goodbye. Michael arrives and closes the door on her. Roth is forced to return to the United States after being refused asylum and entry into Israel. On Michael's orders, Roth is assassinated by a Corleone capo regime, Rocco Lampone, uh, during an interview in the Miami airport. Uh, Lampone is killed by a... Uh 
is killed in turn by a federal agent while attempting to flee the scene. At Pentageli's compound, Hagen visits him and to discuss how, flailed, uh, how failed plotters against the Roman emperor often committed suicide in cl uh, return for clemency for their families. Pentageli is later found dead in his bathtub, mm -hmm. having slit his own wrists. At the family compound, Michael has uh, Connie retrieve his son as... He was joining Frito and Neri uh, for a fishing excursion on the lake. Michael then watches from the den as Neri shoots Frito dead. As Michael reminisces about Vito's 50th birthday on December 7, 1941, occurring the same day Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, while the family uh, waits to surprise Vito, Michael announces that he's dropped out of college and joined the Marines. Angering Sonny and surprising Hagen, Frito is the only member of the family to support his decision. Vito is heard opening the door and everyone leaves the room to welcome him while Michael sits alone. In present day, Michael sits alone at the family compound looking at the lake. And that was the Godfather part to him. Um... Yeah. <laughs> it was, was a lot. It was a lot. Um, a very convoluted movie, um, you know, for good reason. And uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, um, it was good. It had a lot of great callbacks. It had a lot of um, really good visual metaphors. Obviously, Francis Ford Coppola is really good at that. Um and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I did too. That was yeah. good. Um, I enjoyed their callback from part one, uh, the movie starting on the the, can, the hand kissing. Yep. Um, then, uh, you know, to call back a little what we started talking about at the beginning, Vito really was never meant to know what love was. Um I think I mean, yeah. love was taken from him very, very early on. Um, so, yeah. Um, for him to not turn out to be an absolute fuck-up, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I don't know what I would have done. Exactly. I mean, his entire family was taken from him in a flash. Yeah. I'm feeling as though he had nobody to, like... I guess, in a way, he had, like, nobody to tie him down. He eventually would, you know, get married and have kids and create his own family. Yeah. And I think that's why it was so heartbreaking when he lost Sonny and, like, why he it, it hurts him so bad. Yeah. Um, and that first movie in it caused him to want to call off the war. Yep. Like, immediately after. Yep. Um, I don't know. There's so much in this movie where you watch it and you're like, oh. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I yeah. get it now. Like uh, Roth's callback to um, when Michael called for the hit on uh, on the boss of the five families. What was his name? <sighs> da, da, da. Can't remember. Yeah, I can't either. Um, there was one guy. It was Al something, I think. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, I mean, the guy uh, that we're trying to figure out, the name of, he basically was um, friends with Roth and was like his first running mate. And was it Al Green? 
Yes. Mo Green. Green. Um, <clears throat> Mo Green basically created Las Vegas. Um, right. In the lore of this film, at least. Uh, he created Las Vegas. and So, basically... Um, when, Roth and him were they grew up together. Yeah, but he understood that it was business right. when Roth uh, heard that Mo Green had come up missing, and so Al he was kind of using that story as a way of alluding to um, the fact that the Michael really shouldn't be upset about like I, the business. I, I forgot about that. What you did to Mo, and you gonna forget about this. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that's how we're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, so much callback stuff that just makes the movie that much more special and much more interesting. Yeah. Um, I like the, the visual of little Vito looking out of the quarantine room, um, looking at the Statue yeah. of Liberty. I thought yeah. that was a really good irony to say, like, um, you know. This is my fresh start. That, and as as much as it is, is like, it, the irony of, like, this is the land of the free, so go quarantine for three months and sit in this room. I thought that was really fun. And then having to stand and sit there and look at, like, a, the symbol of freedom, and he's basically being held down for three months. Because uh, he had smallpox, yeah. And he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't even know, yeah. like, English, yeah. you know? Yep. So I can imagine how weird that was. Yeah. Um... But yeah, uh, was, this movie is really interesting. Um, there were so many layers to yeah. it. So many layers. Um, <clears throat> I do wonder if uh, in that first scene when he is conducting all the meetings like his dad did at his daughter's wedding, uh, this time it's his son's birthday. Michael's son's birthday. Exactly. And uh, Anthony's birthday. So it's there's a parallel in the way that well, no, he's receiving his first communion. Communion, that's what it was. Um but nevertheless, he uh is receiving his first communion, they're having a large get together, they have a senator there and he's uh trying to bribe them. Uh trying to get sorry, he's trying to receive a bribe. Like trying to talk them into giving him a bribe. <laughs> and uh, they basically don't really want to do it. Um, and I mean... I mean, like, they, he came in there and he just respected the Italians altogether. And he was like... Yeah, he basically was like, I hate Italian people. Yeah, we're... Didn't, on top of this. Michael was like, oh, we're at the same cloth here, buddy. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> Well, he was just calling them, you know... Uh, he was calling, like, all Italians blanket, like, uh, you know, bad people and hate seeing them come out to the desert where there's fine Americans or whatever. It was really weird. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if he brought the senator's wife in the house on purpose to have them sitting in the living room. Oh, Cause yeah, he, I didn't think about that. Because he did, because he was, I was wondering if Kay was starting to work with him after that, like starting to be on his side about stuff. But then, <laughs> as the movie goes on, that's obviously not the case. Um, but I was wondering if he had done that on purpose, but I don't think he did. Yeah, I didn't make that connection. Because he, he opens up that little And he said, I didn't even know you door. were in here. Yeah, oh my god, I didn't Where, notice you guys were in here. I was wondering if he was trying to get him to, like, shell up a little bit. He got him to shell up, eventually. Um... 
basically it's insinuated that he was drugged and then they murder a prostitute and blame it on him. Um, he said, I blacked out. And, uh, yeah. That was wild. Yeah. That was, um, that was very interesting. That was on par, I think, with the dead horse um, from the first movie. I was kind of wondering how they could have topped anything like that. And that was, uh, that was another way of... I don't know. When I saw Vito's mom get blown away at the very beginning, I was like... I was not expecting that. I was like, whoa! Yeah. That was a lot. <laughs> yeah, Don Ciccio was a really good, um, just kind of like, almost comical, like, villain. He's yeah. just evil for the, the sake of being evil. Oh, yeah. Um, she was just there begging, please don't kill my only son. Yeah. He's nine years old. And he's like, yeah, but he's going to have revenge in his He's going to have revenge. He's going to come back and get me. Well, the eventually that, he did. <laughs> the way that the kid, um, the kid Palo died was really, the way they had his body positioned was really freak. It was. It was really, it was graphic. really graphic. It was but, graphic. Um, and then the shriek of, like, they killed your son. Um, and the mom reacting to it all is really, really rough. Um, but yeah, it, 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 this movie doesn't pull its shots. Francis Ford Coppola definitely does not pull his shots by any means. Um, and then I have the quote noted here. I have, Michael, why are the drapes open? And then... I and then he immediately hit the floor, and it was like... I knew it was about to happen. I was like, ah, someone uh, someone went in the room and opened those drapes. Yeah. She's saying that. Yeah. And then... And then immediately. Immediately after. Um, yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> I really liked how this movie was formatted, too. With the, the double... It's basically two movies wrapped into one. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool to see uh, um, an intermission in a movie. Um, just stuff that, like, they just couldn't really be done anymore. I don't know that anybody else could make a movie like this, especially, like, nowadays, and have it come out as well as it did in this movie. Well, I agree. I think a lot of people have tried, um, and I just don't think that it, I don't think that it comes out. That well. It was so well put together with Vito's journey and how he became the family, the godfather, and how Michael stepped into that role. And then how twisted Michael became during all of that chaos yeah. and how he played the game. He played the guy in Miami. He played the guys in New York. He had them batting against each other. It was wild. Yeah. I think the biggest scene that, that really solidified that, of what you're saying, is um, when he goes to uh, Roth's house and is like, well, I know that Frank did it. And then he goes to Frank and he's like, yeah, well, I know Roth did it. <laughs> but, exactly. And you can't, as the viewer, you don't even really no until they actually move on um, on what it is and then the uh the risotto brothers trying to throw a, a, a wrench in it all by insinuating michael's name during their assassination yep. mm -hmm. um 
to, which, to throw them off. Right, which turned Frank against Michael, yeah. which was why he was going to testify in front of the Senate committee. Yeah, and I, I really enjoy the uh, the idea that like Roth has this idea that he's not going to he's going to like live forever or something. Um, but also, I want to say too, when Michael was trying to figure out who the rat was in the family, and then he he kind of had an idea that it was Fredo, but he wasn't sure yeah. until they were in the club. And then he started talking about Johnny had brought him there. And it was like, you could see Michael, like, at that moment realized. Like, I, had to, I have to kill my I brother. I have to kill my brother. Yeah. Like, you could see him processing that. Like, that was an intense moment right there. Yeah, like in the club when he's yeah. standing behind him. Yeah. And he motions for the assassin to go start killing Roth and, um, and Roth's. Or Johnny. Johnny. Johnny Ola. Um, who, Johnny Ola was a horrible, uh, just a shithead of a character. Um, For sure. Just a bad guy. Um, and then Roth is just a two-faced piece of shit. Yeah. Um, I guess they all are, <laughs> really. I mean. Um, but, I don't know. There's still a way for you to be like, empathetic towards Michael, even though he's, uh, you know, a horrible person, there is a weird way that you kind of still feel empathetic for Michael, because yeah. in the same way that Vito never wanted that life, Michael never wanted that life, and Vito didn't want that life for him either, and um, maybe his time as a Marine corrupted his head uh, and really got to him. I mean, it could be, but I think... But then, you know, watching your father be also be a violent person and stuff like that. But I also... I just want to say, like, um, I don't know that Michael... Because Michael was kept away from the family, so it's not like he would have truly seen exactly how Vito did business. Yeah. So all he's running off of is, like, how he observed his dad... And how he thought his dad was. Handled the business. Yeah. Because yeah. mm -hmm. he saw how his dad acted and who his dad was as a person. Mm -hmm. But he never saw his dad as a crime lord mm -hmm. in the same intense way that Sonny or Fredo did. And I think that's also why Fredo harbors a lot of uh, tension there. Because he's just like, well, why, the, why are you privy to this? Because I was right. here before I'm you. I'm the oldest brother. How did yeah. you get this job and not me? The oldest living brother, at least. Yeah, it, exactly. And he was like, I, I, I don't like how I'm regarded in the family that I'm not an idiot. I'm not dumb, but you mm -hmm. kind of are, dude. <laughs> yeah. You kind of are. It could have just been helpful. <laughs> you gave up your brother and you didn't even know what you were doing. I yeah. mean. <laughs> could have just been helpful. Could have just. You know, helped out maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was a funny little um, explanation that he gave. Yeah. He's also just a shithead. Yeah. Um. I say Kay is uh, Kay and Michael's kids are like the only people that I really have a lot of like empathy for in the movie that actually really deserve empathy in any way. Um. Yeah, they're totally they, they, innocent in, the, in that whole situation. Yeah, they deserve a better um, go of it, and they just 
didn't, they're not going to give any chance at it uh, because their dad has to do what he has to do, I guess. Um, I just want to say I really enjoy the uh, the rug scene. Um, rug scene. The, I thought that was really funny about how he was just kind of, Levito was like, I feel like he knew what he was getting into. He was playing dumb, like, you know, but yeah. once he started rolling up that rug and just walking away. Walking I mean, down the street with just a whole rug. Well, that and the guy ringing the doorbell, and then he, the, the other guy basically silhouetting the door, ready to kill that person yeah. if they're coming in. Um, I'm sure that person was very glad that door was locked. Yeah. Uh, much to, I mean, they probably didn't know, but I'm sure they're glad. Uh, you know, unknowingly glad, yeah. but, uh, yeah, um, and him just going along with it and that kind of being his first touch of Vince being like, huh, huh. I could do something illegitimate right. <laughs> and make money as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now that he's far away from like the, the big Don, he, maybe he feels like he can hide in the city or whatnot, but, um, I think we need to take a break real quick okay. yeah so we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back thank you <laughs> okay and we're back so we left off we were talking about the rug scene um I started out hello Ellie we got a visit by a dog. Um, I enjoyed the the train scene. <laughs> Should be careful; it's not getting the mic. Um, that was funny. Uh, I enjoy the uh, the the modern train scene. Uh, or the uh, the modern train basically showing you that we're back in uh, present day now. I thought that was really cool. Um, little yeah. touch. Um, <laughs> I mean, next to it says, Fredo's the rat. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> we talked about the senator. I really enjoyed the quote where uh, Roth told Michael that they're bigger than U.S. steel. Basically, yeah. like, stroking his pride. Yeah. Um, being like, you know. Uh, you could be bigger than your father. You could be, big, you know. Um, he was yeah. laying the groundwork. Yeah. yeah. He's playing the game too. Yep. Uh, and his like uh, all of the stuff of being like, I'm leaving all of this to Michael Gorleone and like acting like he's an actual successor and and that sort um, was just a really really good touch in my opinion. Um, then we have the stuff about Mo Green. Yeah. And then um, you talked about this earlier where he realized he had to kill his brother and like that um, that tonal shift that happens where you're kind of at the party and they're at that, that weird sex club and um, right after he like looks back and nods at the his uh, bodyguard that has been like a uh, basically an informant um, turns finally turns heel on Johnny Ola and Roth and uh, just kills both of them. Mm -hmm. 
and well tries to kill Roth. He doesn't quite get there. He gets murdered before he gets to Roth, but um well I guess murdered isn't the right word. He gets killed before he gets to murder Roth. But um He's assassinated. Yeah. Uh Lola <clears throat> got taken out with a hanger. <laughs> like Jeez. Of all the ways you can go. As as a gangster too. Yeah. A hanger. A hanger. A wooden hanger. Um <laughs> I thought that was insane. That was crazy. I really enjoyed the the movie hadn't come out yet, but it reminds me of Jaws, the way that the assassin was like following Roth around. He was like as he went up to go to his room and then noticed that there's people in there about to take him to the hospital, and so he had to, like, circle back around. Oh, he was hunting him. And then he, yeah, it was like It was a, like hunting prey. It was like shark-smelling blood. Yeah. Um, no doubt. And then Great I have analogy. the... Yeah. That was a good one. And then I have uh, the, the quote from Michael where he walks up to Fredo on the dance floor, and he goes, I know it was you. You broke my heart, Fredo. <laughs> yeah, you broke my heart. Kissed him right in the mouth, and he was, like, grabbed him by the face, and was like... I know you it was broke you, my heart. I know it was you, Fredo. <laughs> you broke my heart. <laughs> I know that was. I know that one is a uh, a big. The one thing I remember, I told you this in the last podcast. There was one thing about this movie that I was tipped off about is that I knew that he had to kill his brother. I did not know that. Yeah, I was, I was surprised. I knew that he had. I knew he was gonna have to kill Fredo. Well, I knew when Johnny was calling Fredo, I was like, oh no. No. It's Fredo. Yeah. You gonna be dead, man. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly believe that Michael knew the second that he was, uh, they're like, that he mentioned Roth and Johnny Ola, and he was like, never met him. I think he knew right in that moment. He was like, mm. and then, right. uh, and then <laughs> sure the way yeah. Johnny Ola treated uh, Fredo when he saw him. I think that was another. I think that was the ultimate tip off, where he was like, "Yeah, we never met before." And I was like, "Ah, oh, it's gonna be bad for you, man." Yeah, you it's gonna be really it. bad because you just denied yeah. it. You just lied. You wrote both your own uh, death <laughs> sentences there. Yeah. He did. Well, no, I think I think he was like, "Yeah," he said, "You guys don't know each other," and uh, and Johnny Ola was like, "Yeah, we don't know each other," and like was kind of like caustic, being kind of sarcastic about mm-hmm. it, and. Uh, Ultimately killed both of them. Um, yep. Yeah, I appreciated this movie having a pee break in it. <laughs> you get an intermission yeah. right before the the third act starts. Exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's basically like, okay, we're done with the heavy hitters, but we're about to hit you with a lot of stuff, so you might want to go to the bathroom. You need to take a break. <laughs> you got about an hour left. You probably should go to the bathroom if you need to. Yeah. Um. The way that Vito killed the Don, Don Ciccio. I mean, he is not alive. <laughs> he was chest right in the like, heart. I mean, he just like went, slit him right, and just yeah. gutted him. Oh, I guess I'm missing uh, mixing the two Dons up. I mean, when he kills the uh, the the original Don, the the New York one. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. What is his name? The black hand one, Don Finucci. Don Finucci, yeah. The way, yeah, he shot him in the chest, shot him in the face, and then shot him in the head again. Yep. Like, gets down there and shoots him in his mouth. In his mouth. Opened his Ex- mouth up. Executed and, him. I mean, 
shot him here, shot him here, and then when he was down, he opened his mouth and blew his brains out. Apparently, according to major media, <laughs> or I guess like movies and stuff, apparently like assassins are taught to shoot twice in the in the heart and once in the head. Um, but he flipped that around. <laughs> he was like, nope, two in the head. I mean, he had his gun, like, concealed in a towel, and the towel's on fire. I was like, yeah. Lord. I was a, and it's definitely a 1910s silencer. Yeah. Um. Gracious. Yeah. <laughs> it was rough. The way the landlord came back like a shitting dog after, um. Oh, man. <laughs> after learning about Vito's reputation. Here, take the money back. We're going to lower the rent. <laughs> actually, take this money back, and actually, I'm going to take off five when he's like. Hmm. Uh, ten is what I meant to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was really. He funny. was a cowering dog, man. He couldn't get out of that door fast enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was crazy. That was a really good performance, and then the physical comedy of like the door not opening whenever he was trying yeah. to open the door. <laughs> it's like I can't get out of here fast enough. Please let me out. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> I've heard of that. Um, mafia mafiosos do that. They'll like get. In complex locking systems, so you when you go to like open the door, you look like an idiot. To as like a way, yeah, of, and he would just a way of making you like feel uh, like second guessing everything you're doing because you you know yeah. oh, you can't get this door open. And Vito was just sitting there like, and yeah, and even his uh, is like <laughs> one of his capos or soldiers that was standing there was like laughing at him, <laughs> laughing at him. <laughs> basically. Um, and he just reaches over and like. Yeah, unlocks the door. Like, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, you're not going to see him again. <laughs> going to go hide out in the Bronx. Yeah, he's going to go hide out in the Bronx. Poor That's guy. He was pretty scared. He was like, he's been asking all around town about you, Vito. And it was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Has he? <laughs> Here's your money back. Yeah, no, here it is. <laughs> We're going to um, lower the rent $10. And then uh, from there we get to the, uh, the quote, Frito, you're nothing to me now. You're not my brother. You're not my friend. You're not my family. You're nothing to me. You're nothing. And he walks away and he's like, Mikey. Mikey. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm Mikey now. Mm -hmm. You're angry. You almost had me killed and now I'm Mikey. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> um... Yeah, I uh, I we didn't talk about it, but the way that he blew up on Frank and was like, "You shot at me through my house with my, my where my wife sleeps, yeah, and, and my, my children, children play." play. <laughs> Not knowing that Frankie, you know, didn't do any and didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, but um, yeah. And even using more like psychological tactics of like getting there before he even knows about it, like tell not telling him that he's coming and yeah. having that come, and he's like, "Oh shit! What? Yeah, is, what? Is, what? Uh, like, oh what, god! What is, what's going on? What happened? What did I do?" <laughs> um, and then well, I guess speaking of Frank, he basically threatened to kill Frank's brother at, yeah. at the at U.S. Senate well, trial. Well, see, that was what. I took that two different ways. I took it as he was the respectable man, Frank's brother, in Sicily. Yeah. Highly regarded. And it was basically when he walked in and he gave him the stare down. It's like, don't humiliate our family. Don't be a jackass. And don't be selling out people. 
and humiliating us. But then he's sitting next to Michael, and Michael's leaning over and talking to him. And I'm like, this is kind of a sign. It's like, Michael's like, I know where your family's at. Yeah, and I know where your brother, that's where I And I it. know where your brother, and, I, and he's here. Yeah. So don't be a jackass. Well, to me, Do the it right thing. Like, <laughs> to me, it was like, I can have your, I can get to your brother and, like that in yep. a split second and there's nothing that you can do about exactly. it exactly so watch what you say you it can, wasn't it you was can a have, fostering moment for sure <laughs> it's like you can have your day in court just know that you're gonna have to you're gonna deal with that consequences of what yeah. you say here today yeah. so yeah. think about that <laughs> yeah and he did yeah and he's he like, like i don't know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> no and that never happened <laughs> that was so i was just telling the fbi what they wanted to hear <laughs> they were just saying michael corleone did this michael corleone did that i said yeah sure why not <laughs> i thought that was great yeah um and, uh, to a darker note though uh he he his manipulation of Kay throughout the movie, and then, you know, especially in the very end of the movie, uh, it was really sad. Um, it was really sad when she was, like, explaining to him. That it was. When purpose. she had the abortion, it was like, I wasn't going to bring another monster of yours into this world. And I was like, oh, did you see his lip shaking? I was like, oh, girl, you got to get hurt. <laughs> I, I wrote, Kay is as good as dead after that abortion. Um I thought that was going to happen. I did too. Um, I I was looking at the cast list because I kind of just want to watch the part three now just to see it. Um, but I, I thought he was gonna do something. I thought he was gonna take her right then. But Diane Keaton returns for part three, so. How about that? We don't we don't know how long she'll be there. <laughs> yeah, no, she's in the movie though. She uh, shows up, but yeah. we don't know how long she stays. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Don Ciccio, uh, the murder of Don Ciccio yeah. was a really good revenge plot. Yeah. Um, just about, like, the most you-deserve-this type of character that's ever really existed. And then his murder is brutal, too. He gets, uh, killed seppuku-style, uh, where you cut the entire stomach. Yep, and just gutted him. But. Like a pig. He did kill his father. He killed, he his, killed father, his mother, his brother, his and mother. his brother. Yeah, he said like he I had said, that coming. Like I said, one of the most justifiable like revenge killings that you can probably think of. The exact reason that he wanted Michael dead. Um, and I thought it was just a great little plot. It go. It went to show that like two that Vito's means to an end were always justified, and Michael's means to an end were always just him satiating what he wanted mm -hmm. um and like getting what he wanted and it wasn't always forcing for his agenda it was all it wasn't always the best thing for the family right but Vito, i mean even though i mean like the revenge on don cco is not like any <laughs> it's not proving anything but uh and it's not doing anything for the family but it shows that he's willing to do the things that have to get done and uh i guess it's also his turn into like just pure ruthlessness mm -hmm. as well but i don't know that's definitely a good conversation to have. Yeah, it was um and then i just really enjoyed the ending scene 
to show that like Frida was the only person that supported mm-hmm. um and supported Michael in a really tough time when everyone nobody else supported him. <coughs> Frida was there for him and uh it makes it even harder to deal with for mm-hmm. Michael because he's like this is the one brother that I thought actually had my back. Right. And he was the one that actually stabbed me in my back. Um, yeah, that was it was really sad. Yeah. It was sad to see that he was left at the table alone. And then he was left at Lake Tahoe outside looking at the lake alone. Yeah. With no family now. Well, that family, well, the, the, him getting left alone at the table was, I thought, a symbolism of what his life had become. Mm-hmm. And he and he had basically just now he's alone at the table. Um, powerful stuff, I'll say, man. The the Mario Puzo and Francis Coppola know how to write a damn movie. Good lord! Not even joking. I mean, you can't take your eyes off of it, or you will lose it all. Yeah. I mean, it is just that intense. Yeah. I mean, it's a long movie, but. It is such a watch. Yeah, it's incredible. This movie is unlike anything I've yeah. ever seen. Uh, well, I mean, other than The Godfather Part 1, but, um, you know. I'd have to say. It's it's one, one sets of the, probably the best. One sets thing. the stage, yeah. but two really brings it around full circle. Yeah, I mean, you could honestly put, uh, well, I don't know about that. I was going to say you could put, the first, the second movie before the first one, but it doesn't, it wouldn't make that much sense. He could have made, he could have made the Vito story as the first movie, and then done The Godfather, and then done uh, Michael's story in part two as just its own movie. Um, but I think juxtaposing them against each other, I think it just really opens up and allows you to see the difference they're the same age now in in what they're showing mm-hmm. you with Vito in 1917 uh, and what they show you with Michael in what I presume to be the early 70s. Uh, showing you the contrast of like what they're going through and, and them being, the way that they were raised and the way that they had to get by life. Uh, I just thought it, was, thought it was incredible. It was a great movie. And I really loved, you know, Michael and Fredo's mom. Just how she was just straight up Italian will tell you exactly what she thought. Yeah. Didn't care who was in the room. Yeah. This is what I think of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, she uh, she definitely was not afraid to tell people. No, she exactly spoke her mind. What come up came out. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I um, thought that was great. Yeah, she was really good. Uh, Dad, we did mention that. Uh, Dad had said that the women take a step up in the movie. Oh no! I didn't really see a whole lot of stepping on the women's part. Maybe one step. One step, maybe uh, of like thirty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think there's like one conversation between women where they're not talking about men, and it they talk about children. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. They are. I would say they're less. I would say they do less in this movie. Right, and I think how Kay... The only thing that Kay really does is get manipulated and beaten in this movie. Yeah, like, what her, like, step-out moment was, 
Like, uh, I'm, abortion. I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you. I'm taking our children. Yeah. Like I'm not bringing another one of your monsters in this world. She's used as almost like a uh, like another block in the road for Michael, and that's. Michael has created that block in the road. Um, I mean, he, to his own... I mean, he did this to himself. Yeah. And, I mean, Kay really didn't want that life anyways. And even back to the first... Exactly. Father, uh, she didn't really want to be a part of it. I mean, she begged him, Michael, please don't be a part of this. Yeah. This is not the life I want. Yeah. And her just being like, I, I just have no love for you at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it sobered him a lot. And, uh, you know, we'll see in part three if <laughs> what that really does to him. Because um, part three does take place like 20 years later. Yeah. So, or 15, something like that. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and throw this on the list, though. Um, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? You go first. I gave this movie a 10. It's the first first 10 from me, but uh, yeah, this one just deserves it. I'm going to go with a 10. And The Godfather Part 2 has received a perfect score um, of 20. And it will fly up to number 1 on the list. Um, and technically can no longer be beaten. Unless we see a movie that we think is so good that it blows that it completely gets, out of the water, <laughs> then it gets an eleven. Uh, uh, I don't think uh, the only thing you can do now is hope to tie with The Godfather Part Two. If you're a uh, if you're a movie getting reviewed on this <laughs> on this podcast, um, but you know I think a lot of movies getting made uh, kind of have that idea in the first place. The <laughs> the only the only way that they're going to be considered one of the best movies of all time is if they uh, can make a movie that can stand up against this one. So highly doubtful. Yeah, highly doubtful. Highly doubtful, but you can try. <laughs> um, Got a lot of stepping up to do. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that was basically uh, our review and discussion of uh, The Godfather Part 2. Do you have any other thoughts before we get into the promo hour? No, I, I just thought it was fantastic. Fantastic movie. Very intense. Me too. Very intense. Really enjoyed it. Me too. Um, I don't know how much I, the rewatchability this movie has, <laughs> uh, given its length, uh, but you know... It is definitely one to see at least once in your lifetime, I would say. Um, it is worth it, and it uh, definitely is worth the hype. Um, I think uh, that is like a, a big thing that a lot of people will note, that this movie has a lot of hype behind it. It's one of those things where you, kind of, you were able to justify the hype because it's just so good. Um at every step. And, you know, if you like action movies and really high-paced stuff, you will hate this movie, probably. But, um... Yeah. I would hope... Popcorn. <laughs> I, would, I would hope that somebody could see this movie for what it is um, and yeah. be able to appreciate it because it truly is a masterclass of, uh, and kind of captures the essence of what movie making is. I agree. Um, 
but yeah, uh, time to get into promo hour. Uh, on Mondays, <laughs> on Mondays we have uh, FNF Self Tapes, which is a cousin. Well, I guess not really. It's like a sister show of this one. Uh, it's got the same basic outline, except uh, is just me. So uh, if you would like to see more reviews, uh, you can watch those. I'm actually going to start shortening them a little bit um, and not be so long-winded in them, or try not to be at the very least. Uh, but um, next Monday, or, well, this past Monday, we'll have watched Paris, Texas from 1984. And then next Monday, we're going to be watching Love and Basketball. Uh, from 2000, so uh, looking forward to that. Um, next week on this show, I am not exactly sure who's going to be on here, um, because the day that this episode comes out, it'll actually be my birthday. Um, so I'll be turning 23. Happy birthday! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'll be turning 23 on the day that this comes out. And so I don't know if I'm going to really be available. It might just get pushed back a week because um, I don't know if we'll be available to record anything next week. But if we do end up getting that done, um, just be on the lookout for that. It would be next Friday. Um, if you missed last week's episode, me and my dad watched Bottle Rocket from 1996, which is Wes Anderson's first movie. That was a really good movie. I really enjoyed that. Not a Godfather too, but you know, still a good movie. That was good. I watched it too. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just be on the lookout for all the finding new films. Me and Trevor had Friday, not yesterday. On Friday, uh, we recorded the second episode of Basement Tapes, so that should be out sometime soon. Um, it's probably going to be a Wednesday or a Thursday. Um, it might actually come out before this, so go check that out if it's out, and if it's not out, be on the lookout. Uh, and then, last but not least, Greg and Jeff give the hi-hat. Uh, premieres on YouTubes on uh, Sunday uh, midnight, and then it uh, is everywhere else on streaming after that. Uh, so if that is something that would be interesting to you, go check that out. I think this past week they talked about, um, well, last week they talked about sports, coaching fiascos and uh, coaching scandals, NIL deals, um, and MLB season at the midway point. And then this upcoming week, I'm actually not sure what they're talking about. Or as, when this comes out, I guess it'll be two days from now. So, uh, I don't know what they're talking about quite yet, uh, as I'm filming this, but uh, I will be sure to post that on their, either their threads page or their Instagram page, uh, in the coming days, so be on the lookout for that as well. Uh, I'm running out of time, so I need to cut this, uh, finish this up. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at the Q Crew. you can follow the show at Finding New Films, you can follow me at Hunter Ryan Harris, you can follow Mom at Seashell underscore Boutique, as well as JLHMAH3797. Um, you can follow any of the shows that I just mentioned on Instagram as well, Greg and Jeff give the hi-hat, the basement tapes, um, FNF Cell Tapes shares a 
Instagram with finding new films since they're basically the same show. Also, be on the lookout very soon. We're going to be doing uh, with a, a new finding new films special called Finding New or FNF at the Films, um, and I'll be making more announcements on by about that on uh, FNF's Instagram page. Um, the first movie we're going to be doing for that will be Oppenheimer. Uh, it also comes out on my birthday. So, uh, be on the lookout for all that. Athikuku Productions, YouTube, Instagram, not Twitter. Fuck Twitter. Alright. <laughs> Bye, everybody.